organ and got dusty. I uh, yeah, can't see it from here. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to worship this morning. It is uh, Palm Sunday, and we are approaching Easter fastly. We want to welcome you to our time of worship this morning. We have music for you, and and we're going to sing to the glory of the Lord and invite you to join in with us, and then we'll engage a sermon from Judges chapter 2. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to come before you and worship this morning. You are truly worthy of worship and praise. God, I pray that as we uh, enter with our hearts before you this morning, God, that you would just uh, touch our lives. Lord, lead us to be the people that you've called us to be. I pray, God, that uh, our worship in our homes is connected to you. That Lord, we feel the, the unity of the body, even though we are displaced in these times. God, we pray there is a unifying a spirit within us, God, that we feel your presence, and Lord, we worship you today as families. I pray, Father, for every family that's joined together, every individual that is joined this morning to a, a live stream or to a recorded uh, video or audio, Lord, the many ways. We thank you for technology that even in these days we can come together. And uh, Lord, I just pray you bless the time this morning. Use this for your glory, God. Teach us things this morning. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Sing with us this morning. Joyful, joyful. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround the earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around the center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea. Singing bird and flowing fountain call us to rejoice in thee. Bring up. 
such a great day to come and, 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 and give our praise to the Lord. I just can't get it out. Um, to joyfully express our joy to him and our love for him. So I hope you're singing along at home. We got another song here that's, that fits more with Palm Sunday, which is where we are today, called Hosanna. So we want you to join in and sing along with the, with the crowd that shouted Hosanna's when he came in Jerusalem on that Sunday morning. That, that morning. Uh, and we just, just want to worship him today. Praise is rising. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you, we turn to you, hope is stirring, hearts are yearning for you, we long You 
find strength to face the day. We're looking for strength today. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. He gives us strength. He washes away our fears. Let's sing that again. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Let's sing a worship time, church. Make this your prayer this morning. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. shouted Hosanna that morning when he came into Israel or to into Jerusalem. Uh, they yelled from Luke 19, it says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. What a celebration that would have been to see the king coming into Jerusalem, the king that they had been longing for. Now it was a different king they were looking for. They were looking for one that would overthrow Roman rule. And of course we know that didn't happen. His kingdom was a greater kingdom. Um, and in fact, when he came in Jerusalem, there were that, that passage, um, I was, I was reading it, preparing for this Sunday morning. There were a couple other things in there that I thought really stuck out and I didn't know how to put them in this worship set, but I'm going to share them with you anyway, right now. Um, but before he came into Jerusalem, as he's approaching it, he saw the city and he wept. He wept for the city because they did not know the time of his visitation, did not know exactly who this King was or what his kingdom was. So he wept for them because he knew what was coming. He knew that he would be betrayed into the hands of the Roman Empire and would be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. But it would thereby establish his kingdom. Um, but the, the next thing he did, though, after he wept, they said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the first, his, act, his first act when he got into the kingdom is he went into the temple and he overthrew the money changers. He made everybody mad. <laughs> but he made them mad not because he was just trying to. Uh, create a, a fight or something, but he saw that his house should be a house of prayer. The father's house had been exchanged for something that it was never meant to be. So this morning, I guess what I want to take from that is that does God look at our country? When he looks at our country, does he weep? And I think he does. Because there was a time when our, our churches were filled when, when historians would say the strength of America is not found in its government, but is found in the pew. And so often today, we don't have people in the pews. They just treat it as another thing they do. So I think God's heart is grieved. And I don't know if what's coming across the world now is, is a judgment upon us with the coronavirus. I have a hard time accepting that because it hits everybody. But 
But if it's not, it should get our attention. It should get our attention to make our houses of worship a house of prayer, to make our houses at home a house of prayer, to make our lives a house of prayer. I'm telling you, when Christ was here, he did a great work. He was glorious in all that he did from the time of his birth to the time of his death and then on forever. Um, we're going to sing another song here that, that I actually introduced a couple of weeks ago. And, and my mistake, I did not say, hey, this song is new. You're not going to know it, but try to follow along. We didn't have words at the time. We have them today. I want you to learn this song. Because this song is one I want us to sing with joy and with familiarity next week on Easter as we celebrate the risen Christ and reflect on what he did, his work, and the sacrifice he made for us. The song is called Glorious.
Beneath the earth you fashioned, you were buried. The word of life was silenced by the grave. The doors of death could not contain your glory. Our God rolled the stone Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that Christ was glorious in all of his being. Um, we thank you that as he came here, as he lived among us, as he died for us, Lord, there was no sin found on him. And the price he paid at Calvary was, was more pure than the spotless lamb. So, Lord, I just pray that this morning as we've gathered together, Lord, we would gather in your grace and in your glory. Uh, God, that as you speak to our hearts through uh, Brother Scott, that you would just minister to us, speak truth into our lives. Uh, and Lord, may we be changed by your glory and by your grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you today. I just want to say thank you, praise team, for... All your efforts from those that play the instruments to those that sing, just the dedication of our staff to, to be involved and engaged in, in this this morning. I tell you, it makes it a lot easier uh, to come together in worship this morning because we have with us uh, the praise team. We have an opportunity to invite you and engage you in worship today uh, where you are sitting in your home. It is the most difficult, uh, probably, as we, we uh, walk through this as a staff and as a, as a praise team, because uh, really and truly, when people are in the church, when people gather for worship, and, and people are able to see each other face-to-face, -face, relationally building community, it's engaging, it's exciting, uh, it, it invites us into worship, and, and when we come into a set like this, it's just... It's just the most difficult, I would say. I, 
I don't know what it's like for you, Greg, as you lead and as, as you stand here and sing. Of course, we recognize you're sitting in your home. We, we, we know that you've gathered this morning for worship. We can't see you, and, and we miss you. And, and this is not a knock on any other church, but I've had many of you email me, call me, uh, send text and, and various forms of communication to say that you, you really appreciate us putting that effort, coming together, and, and it makes a difference. So y'all make a difference getting together and leading live on worship on Sunday morning, trying to bring some, some form of uh, uh, relatability and, and routine into our life and, and when everything's been changed so much. So it's, it is a, it's a different day. It's a, it's a hard day. It always is. Uh, when we come here, we're used to seeing uh, just literally a bunch of people every Sunday and engaging in, in the hall and, and, and going to small group and sitting down and, and having interaction and then just being able to preach to the people, see the faces. I, I, many years ago, I, I just made it, well, when I started preaching, I said, you know, I'm just not going to preach to a camera. I've never preached to a camera and, and felt uh, like I looked at a camera, I looked at people, and now uh, the people are gone. I'm looking at cameras. I'm like, wow, this is, uh, this is a new day for sure. It reminds me, my wife and I went to England uh, back in 2007, and I did a little study over there for a summer period, and, and we, we went to churches while we were there. And uh, guys, as y'all sit here this morning, you look around, and you see just a few people as y'all are socially distanced well this morning, um, just a few people. That was the norm when we went to England and we, we went into church. The pews were empty and the people were just not there. And it, it said to me as we were there, it said a lot about their desire for God, their heart for God as a nation. Uh, they, they were post-Christian instead of pre-Christian or living in a Christian era. While we were there, it was more post-Christian. People had walked away from the church. They had moved out of the, the relational engagement on a regular basis. So it, it was really a sad time. That was now 13 years ago. And here we are now. I'm like, wow, how relevant that day is now to this day in America. Of course, totally different circumstances. I get it. But I hope in our hearts right now, as we're home, as we're, we're distanced from one another, there's not just a getting used to the camera, getting used to the couch. I'm cool if you're sitting there uh, drinking a, a, a cup of coffee or, or whatever and eating blueberry muffins, as one, one lady sent this week, said, we just sat down and enjoyed blueberry muffins and coffee with you this morning. And I, that is so cool. I, I love that. But I hope that our hearts are longing to gather and come back together. And that'll happen in time. I don't know when, I don't know how long, but I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity to come back together. And I hope this time of pause has brought some time of reflection for us. I hope it's brought our families closer together. Uh, I hope we're spending more time, intentional time with our families. Worship is more about spending time with family, worshiping at home, that we're doing devotions together. We're studying the Word of God. We're discussing, discussing the Word of God together. I, I hope that's happening in your home. And last week, I, as we preached uh, a message to uh, you and your homes, I, I really hoped at the end of that conversation, at the end of the, the sermon time, that, that you as a, a, a member of that group sitting, if you were sitting with a group, or an individual sitting there hearing the message, said something at the end of that message to let other people know where you are. Yes, I'm a follower of Christ. Yes, I want to live for him. Yes, I, I want to lead well in this home. Or if you're alone, that you picked up the phone and called somebody and said, hey, from, from the measure of accountability, 
I want to live for Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. And I hope that brought you there. We, we, uh, we're going to turn today to Judges chapter 2. So I'm going to invite you to turn there. It's been a, as we walk through the Bible and read through chronologically, uh, we, we've been in Judges this week and Ruth. And I, I really think Ruth would have been a lot easier to preach from. But God said, no, I want you to preach from Judges. So here, here we go in Judges, Judges chapter 2 this morning. We're going to see three things I, I just want to lay before you this morning. I'm going to read three verses, and then I'm going to tie everything together. So I'm going to pick three verses out of our text this morning. And, and they're going to speak to sin, separation, and salvation. Those three things, sin, separation, and salvation. So if you have your Bibles, and here we'll stand. If you want to stand at home and, and just uh, do that with us to... As we read God's Word, I'd invite you to do that. So if you will, let's read God's Word together. Judges chapter 2. I want to look first at verse 11. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Now look down at verse 14 with me. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers. Who plundered them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so they could no longer stand before their enemies. Verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Father, we love you, God. We've gathered this morning in worship in our homes. And Lord, our hearts are united before you this morning. You know each of us. You, you've known us since the, before the foundation of the earth. You've known us uh, personally through creation and through us being born into this world. And every moment of our life has been before you. You love us. You, you want to want to live with us intimately in a relationship. And God, that is exciting to me this morning that, that I know that you want a relationship with us. So God, as we've gathered before you this morning for worship, I pray, Lord, that you would speak clearly to, clearly to our hearts. Lord, clearly about sin, how that separates us from you. And God, how you have reached out to redeem us from our sin. I thank you, Father, for the the testimony of 66 books of the Bible. God, from the greatest story of history of creation all the way to the recreation, Lord, when you will, you'll call us all into your presence, Lord. And the final day will be set for eternity to begin for all of us, God, in your presence. Lord, we, we pray that you will move in our hearts today, God, that we would establish some things in our life that we need to right now that would prepare us, God, for an eternal relationship with you. God, let us not sit before you and, and just be lackadaisical, be, be passive, but God, be very active in the relationship that you've offered us. Let this pause in our life draw us into your presence. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show you this morning in these, these texts, and we're going to, I'll read a little bit more, but first of all, I want to show you how God reveals the devastation of sin, of our sin. God reveals the devastation of our sin through the book of Judges. We see in chapter 2, verse 10, where he says, All that generation also were gathered to their fathers. So there's a whole generation that has died, Scripture's telling us. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord. 
Wow, what a sad word. There was another generation that rose that did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. So this is the context of our conversation as we, we recognize that, that there's a whole generation that's been raised up that has turned away from God. They've forgotten what God did. They, I've said before, and it's been said to me by, by people before, we're one generation away from losing all that we have in relationship with God. All we have to do is, is put God on the back burner, push ourselves away from God, and, and set ourselves in, in the fashion of living for the world, and we will soon fade and forget the God that called us into relationship. We, we read the first chapter of Judges. Let me just back up to that even to set it in more context. We see that the, the, in Judges chapter 1 that the nation of Israel had seven events where they conquered those around them. They stood victoriously over them. But then they had seven events that followed that, that they did not conquer the people around them. Every one of us have before us an opportunity to conquer the sin, the things in our life that would come to destroy us by the grace of God and the power of God. We can live in such a way that we can overcome these things which would overcome us. And Israel conquered some but failed to conquer others. So we see that was the beginning of uh, another fall here for them. The Lord was real before them he was calling them engaging them but they compromised don't don't miss that word they compromised in their decisions they did not conquer they compromised and we see that they forsook god and they served the gods of the country that was around them the countries that were around the the gods of the land the people that were around them served false gods they they had their interest not on god they had their interest on the world how how easy i mean i'm telling you this is the easiest thing the easiest thing for me the easiest thing for you is to get caught up in our culture to not focus on god but to focus on ourselves our feelings, the things around us. And we see that happen with the Israelite nation. It sums up the book of Judges. It really does. This, this is what happens to the people when they leave the worship of God and, and they focus their worship, they focus their attention, they focus their efforts on all that's around them in the world. And that's what happens. Chapter 10, if you wanted to flip over to Judges chapter 10, verse 6, I, I won't read it for you now, but there is a listing of the gods of the land that they served. They served these false gods. They, they left the worship, they left the, the, the service of God, and they served other gods. So we, we see that that's what happened in their life. People always... And it never fails. It always happens. People become like what they worship. Whatever their focus is, focus determines direction. I've used this illustration many times. But, but riding down the road, 
focus determines direction. If you're riding down the road, and my kids, they just, they grate me over this. My wife does all the time. I'll ride down the road, and I have a hard time looking between the white line and the yellow line and keeping that as my focus. I'm a pretty good driver. I've driven millions of miles. I love driving, but I'm telling you, I can keep it between the white and the yellow, and I'm good enough at it that I like to look around at everything else in the world. But I find myself, when I focus on something on the left, or if I focus on something on the right, my I, I tend to drift that way. Focus determines direction. And, and in our lives, if, we, if we're not careful, what happens is our focus determines our direction. If we focus on ourselves, if we focus on the world around us, and that is our focus, then that becomes where we place our attention. That becomes where we begin to look more and more like what's around us. And, and that's our focus. If we focus on God, then we'll look more like God. I'm, I'm telling you, if we, we wholeheartedly dive in into a relationship with the Lord and He is our focus and we seek Him, Scripture tells us if we seek Him, we'll find Him. So when we find Him and we, we begin engaging that relationship and, and learning more about God and, and how God loves us and, and we experience the love of God and we live for God, then we begin to look more like the person God created us to be. These folks... They, they focused on the world around them and themselves, and they began to look a lot like the world around them. So it happened. That's, that's, where, they, that's where their attention was. That's, that's where they began to become more like. It, it's easy, though, to read in this text, and, and, and of all the books we've read so far, it's easy for us to read the accounts of sin in the Bible of other people and see it as historical. And, and you know what I'm saying? That we can read and we can, we can read through these accounts of these folks that have sinned and, and they've fallen short of God's glory and they, they've done crazy things and we're like, really? I mean, what were you thinking? The God that, that delivered you from Egypt, the God that separated the waters and you walked through on dry ground, the God that led you to the other side and, and re- really understand why did he lead you to the other side what was the purpose of him carrying you to the other side he said while you were in egypt he wanted to carry you out so you could worship him so he led them out to worship he parted the sea for them paved the way if you will and then he closed the sea on those that were coming after him not only that they had just seen all the plagues in in egypt and and how god had mightily moved among the egyptian people and how he had delivered them from the passover lamb we we saw all that through the passover lamb and in the passover we see how god had done all these things yet so quickly they forgot we we can't just look at this as a historical occurrence though as something that and that just happened with those people. No, no, in reality, it can happen with us. It does happen with us regularly. I mean, we're the people. You see, it's easy to say when we look at these folks, man, what were you thinking? Are you, are you foolish? We, we look at Gideon, and, and I, we were talking this morning as we were in our prayer time. Gideon... I mean, that dude, he, he was a mighty warrior, and, and, and God delivered a large number of people with just a few. And we see how God really worked in Gideon's life, but we see that when God had worked through Gideon's life, and Gideon had conquered amazing amounts of people, that he took the gold, the articles that they had collected, and he made an afad, and he began to worship the afad instead of worshiping God. He, he misplaced his worship. 
And then we see his son rise up, and and we see where Abimelech, he, he had 70 brothers, and he just slayed them all so that he could be leader, so he could rule. And we see the downfall of that life and, and how he lived. And then we see Samson. And maybe, maybe you were like, I just thought it was Samson and Delilah. I didn't realize there were these other women involved too. And we see the downfall of Samson as he begins to look at his flesh and the things of his flesh instead of the things of God. Now, did, this, did God use these men? Yes, God used these men during this time. But these men weren't, weren't living for God completely. And we see the downfall. We see the, the fall of their life. And it's easy for us to say, man, if you'd have done this, Gideon, or if you'd have done this, Abimelech, or if you'd have done this, Samson, man, your life would have been different. It's easy for us to see it from that perspective. But we can't just look at them and say, oh, poor pitiful people. This is a closer problem to home than that. I think we need to look at ourselves and say, how am I like that? How, how am I, as I read the Word of God and I see how these people, how they, they were really living for God for a season, but then they really messed up for a season. And we see the rise and the fall of a nation. And the rise and the fall of a nation as we read through Scripture we have to ask ourselves, you know, how do, we, how do we make a definite decision in our life? How do we make some major course corrections in our own personal life so that we don't wind up in that situation? I want to read a, a couple of uh, some various scriptures to you in, in, on this context this morning. First Chronicles 28 verse 9 says this. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Know the God of your father, he's saying. Don't, don't forget where you've came. Don't forget where your father's been, how he lived for God. Know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. This is so inc- incredibly encouraging right here the next portion of that verse says if you seek him speaking about god if you seek him he will let you find him isn't that encouraging if you seek him that should bring encouragement to every single one of us in our homes this morning that knowing that god says if we seek him if we go after god we will find god i can personally say for about 17 years now I have been pursuing God. I've not been perfect in that pursuit, but I have been pursuing God, and I have found God in many, many areas of life. So God can be found. He's not some, you don't have to do mental gymnastics. I don't have to psych myself into there being a God. I've got plenty of proof that there's a God. In fact, I was talking to a guy, uh, we were emailing back and forth this week, or or texting back and forth, I believe, and, and we were discussing you know, being from an engineering perspective, uh, the background, my, my studies earlier in engineering, it was kind of like growing up in, in my younger years, my 20s and my 30s. I, I felt like, you know, I, you got to prove this to me. A plus B equals C. I, I've got to have a formula. I've got to see this. I can't see God. I can't touch God. I don't know that I can believe God. And then I began to seek God. And when my life changed at 31, 
and I began to pursue God, I, I found God. And I found him in so many areas of life. And I just, I just get excited thinking about all the things that God did in my life. All the, all the happenings, all the, all the things I looked, I looked at and I said, there's only, only one way that could have happened. There's no other way that could have happened other than God. And God made a difference in my life, a difference in my life. So looking at that, I see this text. If we seek him, we'll find him. And that's been a life verse for me because I'm reminding myself regularly, if I'm seeking him, I'm finding him. But if I'm not seeking him, well, chances are I'm not going to find him. So here we, we see the last part of that verse says this, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Wow, what a, what a hard word. I mean, if you seek him, you'll find him, but if you reject him, if you forsake him, if you don't go after him, if you choose to say, you know, I hear, I hear you, Scott. I, I hear you there, Pastor. I hear there's a God, and, and if I seek him, I'll find him. But you know what? I don't really want God in my life. I, I don't want God directing me. I don't want him ch- I like my life. I, I like this about my life or life or that about my life. And I know that the scriptures say that I can't do that and live for God. So I'd rather have my life and do my thing than I had live for the God that you're talking about. And that's forsaking God. That's, that's a person looking at God and saying, I will not surrender. I will not come under. I will not allow God to be the Lord of my life. I want to lord over my life. And God is saying to us, if that is the road you choose, then you will be rejected. And, and it won't just be something that will happen in this moment. It won't just be for now. It will be forever because we have to make a choice. God gave us a conscious choice. That we choose him. What a loving father. I mean, it is, it is truly loving when God says, if you want to come after me. He says, John, and, and Jesus says in Luke, Luke chapter, um, I'll get it in a minute. But in Luke, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. If he wishes to save his life, he'll lose it. But if he loses his life for my sake, he'll find it. So if we go after God, if we pursue God, if we, if we go hard after him, we'll find him. And, and, but it means we have to deny ourselves and, and set our own desires aside to live for God. So we, we see here that First Chronicles 28, 9, sermon in itself, if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. The people of Israel God's people, whom he had displayed himself so clearly before them, rejected him. They forsook him. They did exactly what he told them not to do. He told them, do not, do not take on the gods of the land around you. He said, he said to them through Moses, he said, I'm sending you into a fruitful land. I'm going to let you live in houses you didn't build. I'm going to let you drink from wells you didn't dig. I'm going to let you eat from vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to give you the fruit of the land, the good of the land. I'm going to do everything to provide for you. Only be sure that when you are there, you do not, you do not, fall into the trap of life in this place as the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites live. But, but live in the way that I call you to live. Follow me. Let me be your Lord. My, my Lordship in your life. Me be your God, he's saying. They forsook God. They chose a different route. 
They did not follow the Lord. What a message to us. Joshua chapter 24, verse 20 says this. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. What? That goes culturally completely against the mentality of America today. I mean, America would say, man, as long as, as, long as you live the best you can, uh, you'll get to God. God's a good God. He's a loving God. He, he, he'll accept you any way, come as you are. I get that. You can come as you are, but you shouldn't stay the same as you are. I mean, we can come as we are to God. God is a God that receives us. He knows that we're broken. He knows that we live in sin. He says, come to me, and I'll change your life. I'll transform you. I'll make you new. I'll give you a new heart. I'll replace the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I'll transform you. You won't be the same. But here we see that you will not be able to serve the Lord, verse 19, he won't be able to serve the Lord and serve these foreign gods. He's a jealous God. He'll not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you're serving the other, other gods, if you're focusing your life on serving other gods, he says, that won't work. He's a jealous God. He says, I am the only one you should worship. And he calls us to worship him. Then if we read in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, it says, your own wickedness will correct you. And your apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. And the dread of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. It is not God's will to destroy us. It's not God's will to to penalize us. He doesn't want to do that. It's not God's in his desire. His desire is to bless us. His desire is to live passionately with us in relationship. He, want, he longs for that. He longs for a relationship with you. But he will not allow you to live in your choice of sin and in the freedom of relationship with him at the same time, engaging in all the, the fruit of that relationship. There's consequences to our sin. And so highlighted in this text is that. It's easy, though, for us to look at the sin of others. It is really easy for us to focus on somebody else's sin. It's easy for me to pick up this text today and read about all these people and who just really miss the mark and say, You fools. I mean, why, why'd you live so foolishly? It's easy for me to look around the world and, and see people who are making judgment calls for their life that are not appealing to God and, and not pleasing in God's will. It's, it's easy for me to look at a, a brother down the street who's doing something wrong or a sister down the road that's doing something that I know is wrong and, and bring judgment in my mind against them and say, well, you know, how silly are you for living that way? But, but the reality is nothing changes when I do that except for I get an all high and mighty at, attitude about myself. It's when I look at me. It's when you look at you. You say, hey, I see all these illustrations, all these examples that God's given me of people where they, they took their eyes off of God. They didn't seek him. They didn't go after him. They went after the world and they fell. I see all that. How am I making the same alteration in my course that is going to wind up in a casualty? 
What, what have I got to change about me? What have I got to do differently in my life? Because I see that sin is significant. In God's eyes, God will not just, he won't tolerate sin. He's not going to just be accepting of sin. When he says, don't do it, he meant don't do it. Are y'all good with that? I mean, you can say amen at home. I, I can't hear you, but you can say amen. Uh, that was an amen moment. Uh, Fish, that was an amen moment, wasn't it? There you go. Thumbs up there. So a- as we look at our lives, we think about us. We think about how our life can get off a of course. We-, we can't just look at other people's sins and be judgmental and, and condemn them. We've got to look at us and say, where am I going in the wrong direction? How is my seeking of the Lord? You can't, you can't serve two masters. You just, you just can't do it. You'll love one and hate the other, Scripture says. You, you cannot serve God in mammon. You can't serve God in the things of this world. You can't serve God in money. You've got to serve one or the other. And God's a jealous God. He won't accept uh, serving multiple gods. So God reveals in this text that sin separates. It brings a separation that's the second point. As we look at this text, we see that. We see the separation. It's clear. If you will look with me in verse 14. It says, So the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them to the hands of the plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had spoken and as the Lord had sworn to them so that they were severely distressed i can't help but when i read that knowing our current situation in america today i can't help but when i think personally not read this as a historical lesson only but read it as the living word of god knowing that god speaks through his word i can't read that without saying what is the message for me, God? I mean, you just said that, that the anger of the Lord burned because why? They had turned their back from you. They had, they'd quit coming to you. They'd quit seeking you. They'd quit, quit pursuing you and they pursued the world and it, it, it frustrated. It angered. It, it brought, it brought a division and that's not what you want. The reason it angered you is because you, you led them out of Egypt to worship you and they worshiped other gods. Can I just tell you folks, as clearly as I can make it, we have worshipped other gods in America. We have gone after other things. We've gone after personal advancement. We've gone after our cars, our trucks, our, our SUVs. Our, and I'm not saying those things are evil. We've gone after money, though, and position. We've gone after having a bigger house. We've gone after the American dream. And is it wrong to have stuff? Absolutely not. God is not concerned about you having stuff. He's concerned about your stuff having you. Did did y'all get that one? God's not concerned about your stuff. Are you having stuff? He's concerned about that stuff having you. When that, when it lords over you, when you, when you submit to it, when it becomes your focus, then that's a problem. So we see that the sin brought a separation. And God, God is a loving God, yes, but God is a just God. God is a God who looks down upon a people. He says, I want you in relationship, and you're going the other way. And as any loving father would do when he sees his kid going in a ditch, he'd do everything he could to ride them and bring them back. And the loving father in heaven pursues them, knowing the timelines and knowing what they're going through. He pursues them. We see the pursuit of God throughout all of the Old Testament. 
so to see that God continuously pursues the people. He pursues them, but he brings things in their life that shake them up and, and make them realize, oh my gosh, this is not good. God takes sin seriously. I, I want you to see a, a verse of scripture from Habakkuk. It says this in chapter 1, and if you're writing down verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil. This is talking about God. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil. And you cannot look on wickedness with favor. So I want you to think about that. God's, God can't look on evil with favor. He's not going to look on the evil. If he says we shouldn't do it, it should be a part of our life, and we go and do it, he can't look on that with favor. He can't bless that. He's not going to. He's not going to do evil. But when we do evil, then he is going to allow us to live in the consequence of that. We saw here in verse 15, whenever they went, so this is when the people went, the hand of the Lord was against them. He couldn't be for them. He couldn't, he couldn't help them along. He couldn't, he wasn't going to encourage them into sin. He was trying to push them away from sin, not push them towards sin. So he couldn't encourage them with his hand. He says they chose evil. So for them, they, they, they were in evil, living in evil. So the Lord spoke. And as the Lord swore to them, they were severely distressed. He told them, if you go and do these things, I, I can't bless that. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be hard for you. And he had already explained that to them through all the leadership. And we see that. So we understand, as we look at this text, sin always seems good, convenient, and comfortable. It really does. If, if you think about sin, most of the time, sin seems convenient, comfortable, good. Sin is generally accepted in our society. It's, it's more accepted for us to live in sin than it is to live apart from it. It's almost like you're odd if you don't do the things the world's doing. I'm telling you, if the world is doing it in mass numbers, you might want to think about it. You might want to think, of, is this really the call of God on my life? Is this what, how God would lead me in purity? So we see that sin was present in their life. We see that there was a separation from God's blessing in their life. Sin is present in our lives. We have the opportunity to sin. I'll say this. I am capable of any sin known to man. I, I really am. I'm not so separated from it that I can't do it. I'm, I am just as susceptible to sin as you are. But I know and I love the scripture that God tells us that he'll never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can have a way to out, to get out. There's an out. There's another door. And that door is to make a right choice. I'm grateful for that. God reveals salvation to them. I want you to look at verse 16 with me. Verse 16 says, the Lord raised up judges. Okay, let's just pause for a minute right there. The Lord raised up judges. God looked down upon his people. They were living in sin. They were separating themselves from him. They were serving the gods around them. And, and he couldn't be with them to bless them. So he says, you're on your own, basically. And he, he tries to move them away from it. But they're, they're running towards sin. They're wanting to live like the land and do everything the land is doing. So God won't bless them in their mess. And, and we see that. But then the Lord does something. Did you see that? The Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. What a loving God. 
I've got to say that again. What a loving God. We've got a loving God who looks down on us in sin, who looks down on us who have separated ourselves from him, and not on our merit, but on his holiness. For his own name's sake, he says, I will go after my people. I will not allow them to live in this way and continue to live in that way without me pursuing them. So we see the pursuit of God. We see how God pursues his people to the point he says, I'm going to raise up warriors i'm going to raise up uh, i'm going to raise up judges who will who will go after and, and lead and, and even the judges were were a mess i mean we look at their life so we see in chapter uh, 5 through chapter i mean chapter 3 through 16 we see the account of the judges and then we see chapter 17 through 21 where there's no more repentance in their lives if you if you go back and focus in on chapter 17 through 21 they they quit repenting And then we see the most tragic end to a book that I could ever imagine. Uh, Just Judges 21, 25. In those days, scriptures, in those days, there was no king. Everyone did. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is so telling about our world today. Everyone does what they think is right. I mean, we, we, if we feel it, we live it. And, and that is so wrong. But that's how they got in their mess. Can I just tell you, we can't live our life based on feelings. My feelings change about every 30 minutes anyhow on a lot of things. So I'm glad I'm not living my life based on feelings. I'm living my life based on the call of God and his, his engagement of my life. So here we see that God raises up an opportunity. He reveals, he, he pulls them, he, he offers salvation to them. He is a God who, uh, and, I, and I praise God that he is the God that redeems. And, and as we live our life today, praise Jesus, we're not living in the middle of this book. But we're living in a day where, here, here's Palm Sunday, we've got, we've got Jesus. He, he came to redeem us. He came to save us from our sin. And he reigns victoriously in heaven today. Our Savior, yes, rode into town on a donkey and he went to a tomb later that week, but he rose from the grave. I mean, he's a living God. We, we have a God who is alive, not a God who is dead. So when we look at this text, I, I've got to bring this thing to an end. I believe I could preach another 30 minutes and you could sit on the couch and enjoy it. But I'm going to bring it to a close. I just want to say right now that as we see there's sin and historically we see the sin. But I'm telling you personally right now, we should all be able to look at our lives and see somewhere where we are not living in the way God wants us to. We, we've forsook God. We've, we've moved in a direction that God did not call us to. And, and God, s- separating from, he's not engaging that personal relationship in the same way that he can when we are seeking him, surrendered to him, then, then when we're in that position, the relationship's pure and he can lavish his blessings on us. We see that God is a saving God, a redeeming God, one who goes after us and pursues us and we we have a book to write i'm writing a book you're writing a book our it's our life and your life's gonna have a final verse it's gonna have an ending point this book has an ending point in in those days there was no king in israel everyone did what was right in his own eyes 
I wonder what the final verse of your life will be like. I wonder what it will reveal about you and your relationship with the Father. As the book ends, these people are longing for a Redeemer, longing for mercy to be given to them. And Christ is our Redeemer. He has redeemed us. He's made a difference in our life. And today is a day that you can look at your life and say, you know what, I've, I've made some choices and they're not honoring God. And I'm, I'm living with sin in my life. And that's brought a separation of this fellowship that God wants to have with me. And you know what? I'm going to make a personal decision. Not to look at a historical setting and, and, and look at them and say, woe is them or how pitiful poor people they were. But I'm going to look at me and say, what can I do differently right now to make a difference and surrender to God and his leadership and lordship in my life. The loving God of creation will lovingly allow us to remain in our sin. But he will not allow us to live in our sin without pursuing us. He won't make us quit. But he will pursue us and lead us away from our sin. That's his desire. Sin separates us from that a significant relationship that he wants to have, and it's got real consequences. God desires to lead us away from the sinful life and the choices that we've made and, and bring an intimate relationship into our lives. There must be, though, for me and you, there must be an action on our part. You know, we're facing some uncertain times right now. We really are. There are uncertain days in our life, but I know this for certain. God longs he longs for us to draw near to him. <laughs> he longs for you to draw near to him. He longs for you to, to seek him. I'm reminded of James chapter 4, verse 7. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We need to confess our sin, turn to our Savior, and draw near to him. We must have a longing in our heart. We're going to have a time of invitation. You know, while you're sitting at home or riding down the road listening to this, however you're receiving this media today, I just want to invite you to make a personal decision right now. It's, it's important to hear the Word of God, but the Word of God will not return void. The Word of God is meant to be responded to. So this is your time. Where If you're in a great place with God right now, and your life is just being led perfectly with God as far as you know, praise God for that. Let's rejoice in that. But if you're living in a place right now where your life is in a mess, there's a loving God in heaven who wants to change your life. And at whatever, that, whatever level, if you need to get saved, if you need to commit your life more further to God, more fully to God, then, then do that. I, I just want to do that during this time of invitation. The, the band's going to come, we're going to play a song, and they're going to sing as you respond to God. Father, we love you and thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that there's an understanding in your word about sin and the separation it brings in our life. God, I'm just so grateful that you saved us and redeemed us, and you desire to save those that are not saved. And you desire to have an intimate relationship with us. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. Forgive us where we failed you. Help us to respond rightly to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The been good to have worship this morning and worship with you. We're praying for you at home. We're praying for your health. We're praying for safety. Uh, we ask that as uh, we walk through these days that we keep in our hearts how we can draw near to God. Uh, these pauses in our life can bring great reflection and a time of a great renewal. And I just pray that you have a renewal in your life, and a, and a desire, a greater desire for God. First Baptist Church, we have three Ds that we look at. Desire God, disciple each other, and devote ourselves to serve. And those are very important for us. Pray for you as you walk through these days. If you're a part of the ministry here or want to be a part of the ministry through giving, we have several opportunities for you. You can go online. We have a very secure place called Secure Give on our website, fbccookville.org. If you'll look there and secure give, you can give there very securely. Uh, we guarantee that. And there will be a video up tomorrow on our, on our front page there to help you, if you've never done that before, help navigate that opportunity for you. Um, I'm grateful to God how he has continued to bless the ministry here and how we have begin, uh, continue to receive tithes and offerings from you. And uh, we want to continue to serve our community and our world, and that's how we do that. So there's other ways you can mail it in or drop it by our church office during office hours. Remember, there's someone here. If you want to talk, you can call in. If you want to engage through Facebook, through email, or through text or any other way, we'd love to talk with you about how God's moved in your heart today. Um, there's going to be a time of silence at the end of our time here today. We're going to take 40 seconds, as been asked by us, by others, to just, ga uh, just engage a time of prayer and reflection 
And we want to pray for the coronavirus, for the for our vaccine, for the end of it. Uh, we want to pray that, that God will move and save lives. And we just want to invite you in a, to a time of prayer. I'll lead that prayer, and then we'll finish out with about a minute, if you will, there at home, if you will, pray in silence. Father, we love you and thank you. God, we ask that you would continue to move in our nation and around our world. We pray, God, that you would bring a cure for the virus, and God, that you bring an end to the loss of life. Lord, let us learn what we need to learn. Let us draw near to you. We love you, Father. Thank you for this time of worship. In Jesus' name.